So, uh, could you explain in detail what it is that you have in mind to do? You've touched on it a little bit, but... By the end of my life, what I would like to accomplish is a nonprofit center. With that, I would like to incorporate um, like teenagers, young adults as well, to teach them the life skills that maybe they didn't learn, but to also have like counseling services, teach them work ethic, and have support systems in place because I feel like a lot of addictions can start when you're younger. Like I started using when I was 13 years old because of what I was going through and I didn't have anyone there. So I feel like something like that would be very important to kind of hit it head on, but for also people that are like coming out of rehab or got clean on their own without any legalities or something of that nature to help teach them the life skills that they might need mm -hmm. and also a place just for resources like okay unfortunately you're a felon these are the places in our area that usually rent to felons you should look into that yeah or j just something of that nature like a, a place where you can feel comfortable going and talking and learning those things because I never learned about credit oh, when I yeah. was a kid ever never learned about how important it was didn't know that I had like four or five different credit scores that lenders pull friggin reports from mm -hmm. it, it's just insane and when you don't know those things and you're trying to rebuild your life if you don't know how to go about it it yeah. makes it very difficult and you have that trial and error so for me I would love to be able to open a nonprofit for people to come to learn to talk oh yeah like a just like a good a good resource yeah so what I'm hearing is you want basically a safe space for people to be able to talk freely with each other and to learn important life skills is that right yes yeah to be able to motivate one another share their stories because even like within the group mm -hmm. it can still be very inspiring for oh, yeah. someone to come and talk and listen to what they're saying. So, like I said, sometimes they feel judgmental, but if you just, like you said, like a safe space for someone to come, like, hey, I just got clean, I don't have anywhere to go, can you help me find something? Even if it's just like a shelter, or ideally have like a shelter in my nonprofit as well for mm -hmm. those people, and of course there'll be requirements like, okay, can't actively use here you won't be welcome because we have people that are working on themselves yeah and I just like I said just to be around motivate each other talk share their stories so it doesn't feel so formal like if you're talking to a therapist because sometimes that's harder yeah you can make it more personable if it's someone that's just kind of sitting there like you and leggings and a t-shirt yeah and just kind of BSing with you and that's what yeah that's what's nice to me oh yeah definitely that adding that formality changes things a lot and unfortunately simply having a camera here <laughs> adds formality to it yeah, a little bit yeah <laughs> but you're not in a suit so that's cool yeah that so. helps <laughs> yeah um, i just i just think it's important yeah it's definitely important so what do you uh anticipate doing when toxic behavior arises what what i have done and i still implement it my ability to say no has increased before I was not a person that could say no. I would allow myself to be abused and to be gaslighted and I would do things because I thought that saying yes to something terrible and evil was proving my love to people. Yeah. So having the ability to just get up and say, you know what, this doesn't make me feel good. I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to go. 
you want to be better or if this situation can be better, I will come back to it later on. But for right now, I don't like how it makes me feel. So I'm going to walk away. And that, that is something that's hard to learn, especially if you're not able to say no before. To learn that skill of being selective and not wanting to please everyone or make them yeah. all feel better. Like you have to be able to say no and be selectively selfish. Yeah. Like you can't always just give and give and give until your cup is empty. Yeah. And you just have to be able to get up and like I said, just be able to say, you know what? I don't like how this makes me feel. I really care about you, but I don't appreciate this, so I'm gonna yeah. go now. So did you did you have to teach yourself how not to feel bad about being selectively selfish as she put it and I think that's a good way to put it. Yes. Very much so. And sometimes I still get those like I still get tinges with guilt and I've learned to deal with it better and not necessarily ignore it but be like okay I know you feel bad mm -hmm. but is this really something you need to feel bad about or is this old behaviors and ideology yeah. coming back in the present and so and I mean and that does still happen to yeah. me for me luckily like I said I have a really good support system so if an action or something's going on and I'm like okay well I feel really guilty about this or did I act react inappropriately mm -hmm. was I behaving rashly I can call those people that I'm close with and bounce everything off of them like I'm very good about not leaving things out because of what's happening you know what I mean so I want to be very clear about things to get outside opinions mm -hmm. and so that's that's super helpful that way I know if I'm just being irrational or crazy is not a good word but kind of crazy yeah <laughs> it's good to have it to be able to have those people that you feel and you know that they love you no matter what you did what you've done what you will ever do mm -hmm. and they will never truly judge you that you can be open and free with the way that you're speaking to them and they will give you an honest outsider's opinion mm -hmm. like i there know what go. i'm passionate about but i don't know like statistics or anything what do you mean by statistics like some of the things i'm passionate about like um like rehabilitation over incarceration. Mm -hmm. It's something I'm very passionate about, but if you ask the statistics of the amount of people that are incarcerated on their first like drug possession charges or something like that, yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, my viewpoints on incarceration as opposed to rehabilitation for like first time offenders with, with drug issues. Mm -hmm. So me personally, I've been four years clean. So I was in, addict the majority of my life i'm 29 this is the longest i've been clean since i was 13 years old you know mm -hmm. and about four to five years ago i had gotten really bad at my addiction i was a needle user i was doing a bunch of bad things i got myself into a lot of trouble and thankfully what happened is because it was my first time offense i got a lot of felonies so i was very scared that i was going to go to prison something that I would never have been aware of had I not known other people that had gone through the program is something that's called drug court and a lot of counties do offer something like this and for first-time offenders you're called pre-adjudicated when you go into this program right and if you complete all the stipulations and graduate your charges get dismissed so the whole time you're in this program everything's just pending you're not actually charged and it's kind of like a very intense outpatient rehabilitation kind of thing except okay. they can put you on commits put you in jail if yeah. they don't like your attitude like it's very 
we can do whatever we want once you sign these papers. Kind of like probation, but a mm -hmm. little bit more intense. Congratulations on getting clean, by the way. Thanks, I do appreciate that. So uh, I assume that you're taking those experiences of getting clean and you're gonna to try to apply them to this? Yeah, to me, I feel like it's a very important thing for people to know that while it may be very difficult and very hard to get clean, it, it is worth it. And to me, I feel like the thing with our judicial system is somebody gets arrested for drug possession mm -hmm. the first time and they just think of putting them in prison. If I yeah. never would have specifically asked for that program, I would have gone to prison. But I knew to request it and I, and I got it, but I know a lot of people even that I had met in drug court that were post-adjudicated, which means they went in with felonies they already had mm -hmm. and they have obtained new charges that allow them to go to drug court. And just with talking with these people, because you have groups every week, it's very intense. Like your first phase is three meetings at the probation office with the drug court team a week. And then mm -hmm. three are in a meetings on top of that. And so you get the opportunity to sit there in your groups and talk with these other people that are kind of in the same position as you. And to hear them say they had no idea a program like this was offered. Yeah, and I didn't. Yeah, and it, and it kind of just, blows your mind like you would think to actually help people and it wouldn't be about the money of fines yeah. or the business of prison to where these these people these big businesses get money off of every person that goes in there yeah and then of course in the prison systems if you know anyone that's been in them just, just kind of common knowledge drugs are rampant yeah and most of the time drugs in prison are cheaper than they are on the street so Putting someone in prison to me that already has I don't know what that was, already has a drug issue and being surrounded by things like that because mm -hmm. guards are crooked. Like they allow oh, yeah. things to come in Definitely. like that. How hard is it gonna to be clean when you're sitting there watching your bunkmate doing the things that you used to do? Yeah. And they don't really offer like good rehabilitation in prison itself and that's why you see so much recidivism of oh, yeah. people getting out of prison and going back. And even just spite can be a powerful motivator for somebody to go back. Right, just anger or these people get out of prison and they have no, the, the biggest thing about drug addiction that most people I really don't think think of, I started using when I was 13, so it's it stunts your growth, emotional yeah. and mental growth. Uh, when you're growing into a human being, an adult, I had no idea yeah. about things that I should have. I didn't know how to pay my bills really I didn't know anything about my credit or care enough yeah. to, to worry about my credit or how I could build it up or learning how to deal with these emotional issues that are going on inside of you because a lot of people that are addicts do have mental illnesses yeah a lot of people I've spoken with you know what I mean just from my personal experience and myself included like I yeah I have something that's called BPD which is borderline personality disorder, and it comes from trauma. You, it's something that your brain learns. But before I had gone into drug court, I had I had no idea. Yeah. I thought that's just the way that I was, and there was nothing that I could do about it. But when they don't offer something like this, what are people supposed to do to mm. grow and to learn something different? Because if you try to go to a rehab, there are some grants that are available to you, but you have to have to actively be using to get a grant like you can't go up there like okay I've been two weeks clean I really want to go to rehab you have to go in and be dirty 
for them to give you a grant to go into that rehabilitation Yeah, that center. doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? No, and, and if you don't, and you don't get a grant, they can work with you on payments, but they want thousands of dollars up front. And somebody that's an active addict, how, how are they going to do that? Yeah. Yeah, the thing about addiction is it's something you do because you're trying to fill a hole, usually. And uh, they've done studies on people in the military in Vietnam who were heroin users in Vietnam and they came back to the U.S. and they just stopped cold mm -hmm. turkey. And that, I mean, and that makes sense to me because it is very much about feeling a hole or pushing down those things you really don't want to deal with yeah. and you don't know how. Yes. Yeah. So for me, a lot of my addiction when I was 13 came from, from trauma mm -hmm. and that's what it was. So for me, I was like, okay, well, I used to call them breaks checkouts from reality and that's what I always called it when I would go to get high that's what it is yeah you're, you're just checking out and it can help well it doesn't even really help but it shuts things down that you can't do on your own because you have no idea how to process these emotions or how to think through them in your head and calm yourself you don't have those coping mechanisms mm -hmm. and again to me when they put people in prison that come from an addiction they're not teaching them that yeah. So as they say, to break a habit, you have to make a habit. Mm -hmm. So was there something that you used or some things that you used to sort of fill that hole? My friends and family helped with the loneliness at, at first because, like I said, I'm very lucky that I had that really good support system after yeah. I made the decision to get clean. So if I was feeling lonely and sad and wanted to use, I would go to one of their houses and just hang out, watch TV, that way they could hold me accountable because I knew that's something that they wouldn't mm -hmm. put up with. They wouldn't be cool, it wouldn't be okay, and they, they had their kids there, you know what I mean, and yeah. I would never do that. And affirming that I loved myself was a really, really big thing, and a lot of that for me, and I still do it to this day, I wake up every day, look at myself in the mirror in the eyes, and say, I love, my, I, I love you, you're fantastic, you're wonderful, you can do this and learning to forgive yourself for your mistakes. Yeah. That was something that I had to kind of lean on and, and relearn how to do and not yeah. not beat yourself down for all the bad things that you did because a lot of, I mean, there's so much guilt because oh, a lot yeah. of people do really messed up things, oh, especially yeah. when they're deep in their addiction. They steal from friends and family, they hurt people. Yeah, and you know everything you do. You, oh yeah. People tend to compare themselves, compare their worst to other people's fronts. Yeah. And you you just have to be very honest with yourself and that was probably one of the main things and like a habit I had to form was being honest and real with myself and not sugarcoating it. I yeah. guess is I'm not sure the way to put be it. Be honest, don't bury it, don't hide it, but don't deal with it. don't hate yourself for it. Yeah, like you you have to deal with it. And for yeah. me, I guess that's a good way to to, to say it, I had to form the habit of dealing with things in a healthy manner and saying no. That was a habit I had to form too. <laughs> that, and that sounds crazy that you have to form a habit of saying no. Oh, yeah. But if you don't, it's going to make it 10 times harder. Like, yeah, Definitely. I know you're high and you need a ride and you're stuck. It's okay. I'll come get you. It's fine. And then you're sitting in the driver's seat while your friend's high in the passenger seat and you're fiending out. How many times can you do that before you use? Yeah. It's going to wear you down every time. It's crazy. Not a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
So do you think that you'll uh, be targeting those, those underlying issues to help people recover? I would like to. I would very much like to. Like I'm very open about my past and how long I've been clean and what I went through and I have talked to so many people about it all the time like I, I I'm not shy about it yeah. I'm not ashamed of awesome. it Some yeah like I'm, I'm I'm proud of my I'm not proud <laughs> that I I'm not proud that I did it but I don't believe I would be where I'm at in my life had it not been for that had it not been for me getting arrested had it not been for me being able to go into the drug court program and I feel like that's something that people need to hear like hey I, I was where you are I completely understand how you feel you're empty and, yeah. and helpless and, and you don't know what to do but I promise you if you put that work in things can get better for you yeah but it's just having the, the courage really yeah. to step away from something that you've really always known as your comfort zone oh, yeah. and to go off into this vast expanse of being an adult and and being clean and having no idea how to fix it yeah like you don't, you don't know what you're doing you're just going in blindly and it takes so much strength and persistence, too. And it's hard. And I, I'm almost four, clean, four years clean, and I still have days where where it really, really tested me. Yeah. But thankfully, when I got clean, I had this very good support system after I got clean. They came back around yeah. and made my amends. And now I can be open and honest with them and call my best friend or my mm -hmm. mother or my sister like you know I had a really bad day and I just I keep thinking about using like I'm having that craving can you can you just talk to me and they do and I'm, I'm very thankful for that but it's really hard for a lot of addicts because this, the yeah. people that sometimes have been using for a very long time and burnt all their bridges their family's not going to be there for them their friends aren't going to be there for them mm -hmm. so if you have a support system and you can get it from NA and AA meetings of those people that have been there and they can give you their advice on what personally worked for them. Yeah. But sometimes with NA and A meetings, people to me, I never they weren't I never really enjoyed them that much. Because yeah. to me they felt kind of judgmental at times. Like they can be helpful, you can feel accepted, but I'm sure it depends on the group too. Right. And it's just finding the right one for you, which can also be very stressful yeah. going to all these different groups. Some people are not gonna have the guts to use go to one of those. And, and the first time you walk in those rooms, you feel like everybody's staring at you, people are thinking about things about you, they're judging you, and that that really isn't always the case. And you're, you're completely correct. It definitely depends on the group, but having to go so many times to find the people that go to these groups, that one that just kind of works for you, where you yeah. feel less judgment. So do you think those groups were a big part of what helped you? No. I, I was required to go because of drug court. The whole time you're mm -hmm. in the program, you have to go to three NA or A meetings a year or a, a week, and you have to get signatures. And I really did not like it. I feel like for me, the huge thing to get clean was the support system that I had yeah. with my friends and my family, and just reminding myself of where I came from and that it would be very easy to go back there. Yeah, and I was and you're miserable in your addiction but mm. you just don't know what to do you just keep doing it because you feel bad for your addiction so you use yeah. so you don't feel bad because of what you did while you were high yeah and then you feel bad about that it's it's a so vicious cycle yeah. and it's it's hard like one of my best friends she just got clean she's almost clean a year but it it was really hard for her because she felt 
so guilty and you have to be there for those people and tell them like, hey, I know this is really hard, you're super overwhelmed when you first get clean. It's like a roller coaster of emotions that you have no idea. You get angry, you get sad, you mourn the loss of your friends that you made during your addiction even though they're not really your friends. Yeah. That's who's who's been in your life for yeah. so long. And to me it's just really helpful to have those people you can reach out to and be like, Hey, I know that you did this. What did you do in this situation that I'm in? Like mm-hmm. what helped make you feel better? Yeah. And what like how did you address these issues? So what do you think it is primarily that helps you recover? Addressing my mental illnesses getting kind of a handle on those understanding why my brain worked yeah. the way that it works and, and, go ahead. and how did you do that uh, I saw a therapist okay. and I started kind of talking it out and then I was diagnosed and then they put me on medication on mood stabilizers that I take every single day they're super helpful kind of sucks because you get terrified to like come off of them with things like that oh, yeah. In BPD, you can, you can not necessarily cure, but you can help with like dialectical behavioral therapy, like workbooks, it's kind of your process, the trauma and compartmentalize it in different ways. But mm-hmm. for a lot of people, I feel like it, it's things like that because if you don't address like the underlying issues, what made you use, because most of the time people aren't gonna start being an addict yeah. just because it's fun. Yeah. There's, there's something going on inside and they don't know how to feel better about it whether it's a disdain for yourself or you're just so overwhelmed with your life around you and you're not being treated well by like maybe a boyfriend or your family like if you can't recognize your triggers i feel like it 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 makes it so much harder yeah honestly if you can't recognize your triggers it's probably down to pretty much luck at that point and and eventually it happens like people will still they don't they don't realize and it's super corny but in those meetings they tell you people places things 110 percent true 110 percent because if you go back around those people you were using with they're not going to care that you just got clean they're going to do what they're going to do whether it's in front of you or behind your back yeah but some of them are going to be disappointed or even angry because they, misery loves company. Yeah. And they, they just want someone there in that rough bottom with them. And that, that's heartbreaking, but... It is. Those people in their addictions, it's not... Normally. Normally, that's not really the person that they are. Of course, you yeah. have your sociopaths and your narcissist, and that just kind of amplifies it when they're using drugs. Yeah. But the majority of the time, that's just... That's not who it is. It just brings out the worst in people. Oh, definitely. And it's kind of just dealing with that that guilt and making amends. And you have to realize that those people that you ran around with and and used with are not your friends. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of times part of what keeps addictions going is the it's about the social support system. They've got most addicts have their own sort of social support system of the people they're using with, but they're not supporting the right behavior. They're supporting addictive behavior. Right, and that, because that, again, like, that's that's what they know, so they want that person there with them, whether like, yeah. yeah, dude, you need to go to rehab, like, for example, one of my best friends, when she went to rehab, as soon as she got out, these people knew she just got out of rehab, knew she was trying to get her life together, instantly started her up. Hey, do you still get 
Some people just rely on their ability to say no and some people are really good at saying no I'm really good at saying no <laughs> but even then it, even if it's just a very tiny amount that you don't notice it wears you down a little bit each time and it just I mean and it does it, it just starts to break you down and eventually you're gonna be like okay well screw it why not everybody keeps asking me yeah like why not I'll just do it this one time this one time and I and I won't do it again and when you use and have a deep addiction like that, it's very easy. If you relapse once, you go right back down into the hole you were in before you got clean. It, yeah. it escalates that quickly. And I've seen it happen. It, it's happened to me. And it's, it, it's insane. Like it's a very slippery slope. And it, if people don't pay attention to what they're doing and really think about it and go through the tough times and learn how to be lonely mm-hmm. and deal with that loneliness and don't need that comfort from other people, it, it goes better. But yeah. with people that have been in active addiction for a very long time, like you said, their support system or is going to be the people they were using with. Yeah. So they come out of that and they get clean and if they're working on making amends, which can take a lot of time to apologize and say sorry to those people that you've hurt for them to come back around and want to be there for you. So you're you're basically doing it on your own at first, and I and yeah. I've seen people go through that, and that is what's really hard. And I feel like that's what's important is to have like a support group or someone that you can hit up and just be like, hey, you know, I'm going through this. I just need someone to talk to. I know we don't talk all the time, but I know that you've you've been through this. Can you give me some advice? Yeah. What is it that you're well equipped to do to help? Uh, addicts recover based on your experience? I feel like one of the most important things you can do if you're wanting to help someone is share your story. And that, and that's what matters and that's what mattered to me a lot is mm-hmm. hearing those people that have come from their addiction and succeeded yeah. in getting clean and getting their life together and starting their own business or up getting a really good job or you know what I mean just to hear those things that okay I know you feel like your life is over and you can't do anything but you can get there yeah like you you kind of stunted yourself so you have to start growing and that's something I still have to remind myself like I've really only actively been working as an adult in my life and towards the adult things that I want for four years so you start to kind of feel bad about it but then if someone is there to remind you like hey you really haven't been working on this for very long but considering where you came from you're doing great yeah and that that's something that people don't always think about and it is very nice to hear that yeah it's very easy to stay in the same rut people who can get out of that rut are very very strong and they've been through a lot to get where they are and it's it's inspiring yeah to hear it is because some people have of course people some people have always had it worse than you and some people have been worse off in their addiction than I was but then when you're sitting there talking to them and 
they're just beautiful and, and glowing and they're telling you all these ways that their lives have changed it's it, like I said, it's just inspiring. You're like, okay, well, maybe I can't do this. Maybe it's not over, which is, which is cool. I feel like that matters. Is there anything very, anything specific that you would want to say to people out there who are trying to recover? It's hard. It's very, very hard and will probably be one of the hardest things that you will ever have to do in your life. It will probably always be something that will stick with you in a way. In the back of your mind and every once in a while you'll still get those tinges like those, those cravings when you're having a bad day when you're not sure how to handle something or if you are emotionally traumatized by something like you and your partner of six years have broken up and you just feel broken inside and you have to understand that with times like those a lot of times your first reaction will be to use yeah because that's what made you feel better in the past and those behaviors are still kind of hard to unlearn mm -hmm. but it's worth it yeah it is very very worth it it's just really really hard yeah and pretty much anything can be a trigger at first just being hungry being <laughs> being lonely being sad things that wouldn't normally necessarily be triggers right that some people don't even think about yeah and like you said before learning your triggers is one of the biggest things even people can be triggers like for me yeah my ex-boyfriend that I predominantly used with huge trigger huge trigger and I do not talk to him I will not associate with him if I saw him in public I'd walk the other way because I know for me that is going to trigger me yeah and that's also kind of hard because most of the time you don't know your triggers until you're triggered and that's that's kind of what sucks like you have to realize you're still learning that and you have to learn when to recognize it and when to remove yourself from whatever situation that you're in that mm -hmm. triggered you and go and deal with it. And sometimes that involves isolating yourself, which can kind of lead to feeling lonely. It's kind of just a vicious cycle at times, but yeah. And knowing that when you get clean at first, it is a very massive emotional roller coaster because all those things that you've been pushing down for so long come up yeah. and you feel all of it tenfold but there is beauty in learning who you are again without oh, yeah. that because Definitely. being an addict is a huge part of your your personality yeah. like it's a personality it trait to you it becomes part of you if you do it long right like it's it's like your limb yeah. you know it's like a leg or an arm and trusting that you will find yourself again and finding something to believe in whether it's a higher power or some type of ideology or a set of morals or codes that you would like to adhere to like yeah. four agreements that's a super cool book i don't know if you ever read it it's super nice very simple just talks about like i agree to fully love myself try my hardest like and it's not even necessarily tied to any type of religion but just finding something like that that you can always have in the back of your head like okay does this mesh well with my support system and just kind of leaning on other people and figuring out who you are and what your place is in the world mm -hmm. and it takes time and patience yeah and just hang on by the grit of your teeth because <laughs> yeah. it, it'll get better you just have to get a time learning yourself is very important it's very important in dealing with any issue mm -hmm. but addiction especially 
you just have to know yourself, know how you work. Right, and I mean, because you lose yourself. Yeah. You don't know who you are. I didn't. I had no idea who yeah. I was because I started using when I was 13 and got clean when I was 25 years old, you know what I mean? So pretty much half of my life, I was an addict. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have those formative years. I was always worried about getting high. I didn't yeah. take time to figure out who I was or what I wanted or even set boundaries for myself. I had no idea what my boundaries were. I would do with anything. Anything was fine, it's cool. But getting clean, it, it took me time and tears and loneliness and yeah. sadness and anger. I was angry for a while too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it was, and it, it took a while yeah. to even get where I'm at. And I still have to work and actively like learn who I am and what I want and figuring out where I'm going in my life. It's, it's difficult and I just wish more people knew that while addiction is not the answer, you're not a bad person. Yeah. People still love you, they still care, but you hurt them and you broke their trust. And it's your responsibility to build those relationships back up. Yeah. And you just have to give them and yourself time. You have to be patient with yourself. If you expect everything to change overnight, you will not succeed. Oh yeah, definitely just like anything like dieting or anything dieting doesn't work lifestyle changes work. <laughs> right yeah it's that yeah. instant gratification that's so prominent with addicts yeah like we always want to feel better right then and that was one of the hardest things yeah for me to overcome was the instant gratification and part and, of myself yeah and it's easy to celebrate when you feel like you've had a victory too you know I've been three days without using let's celebrate well how do you celebrate Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? What did you do in the past? You know yeah. what I mean? When now, if I'm like, and my friends will tell me, like, oh my gosh, you've been clean for so long. I'm so proud of you. So for us to celebrate, we go out to our favorite restaurant or we like go floating or go to the lake. But in the past, you are right. Like, how, how did we celebrate? How did we do something fun? What did I do on my birthdays? I used. Yeah. Exactly. It's just your habits mm -hmm. that you have to relearn and readdress and. Man, it kind of sucks sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really does. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Something Meaningful. I firmly believe that what I do helps both those I talk to and those who listen to the podcast or watch the videos. You can help me improve my content and reach more people by donating on my Patreon at Something Meaningful Show, on my Anchor account, by subscribing to my YouTube channel, and by sharing this with your friends. With your help, I want to get this to as many ears as possible. Help someone have a good day and have a good day yourself.